We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello and welcome to another episode of the College to Canton podcast, the perfect show for any and every college football and NFL fan. I'm your host, Dave you can find me on all the socials at StayFunLaco, and I am joined as always by Travis May at FF underscore Travis M. Travis, you are living it right now. You have, I mean, we're recording at 930 for you in the evening, and you probably still That's... have six hours of work ahead oh, of man. you after a long day. How are you hanging? How are you hanging in there, buddy? No, it's actually almost 10.30 here in Indianapolis. Uh, so, yeah, I'm normally normally on Central Time. but like, Oh, yeah, that's, that's right. Yeah. Uh, I'm at the NFL Combine this week, and it's been a blast. And, uh, and just information overload. I, I, I don't know if uh, you – I can't remember if you, you'd said you'd been here or not, but it's just – it's so much going on. And and as uh, a managing editor role, like you're trying to get all this content, uh, you know, all these videos, all these interviews – um, all these kind of angles to pitch to other beat writers around the country uh, and then also do your own writing and, and, and work and um, and then somewhere eat and sleep in there. Uh, and so it's just it's it's uh, already been a journey and it's only been like a day of it. Um, but yeah, you're coming off the senior bowl and now this it's like, man, OK, I have a newfound respect for the journalists that I'm like, Hey, why don't why? Like, come on, I like, get, just get more information. I just want all the information. I can't be there. Just get it all to my face right now. And, uh, it's like, guys, that I, I did not understand how chaotic and, uh, how difficult it can be to just do all the things and get all the information out that is actually interesting. That's not already been said a hundred times, uh, you know, five seconds after it's, it's shared, you know? So it's, uh, definitely, been a blast already uh look forward to sharing updates and content all week long still to come but for now we're going to dive into some wide receivers because we've been talking quarterbacks we've been talking running backs in this class we threw in some tight ends mixed in with the quarterbacks of course and so of course now it's time to ahead of the nfl con- combine do one last look at these guys um before you know we overreact to all of them running their 40s and spandex here soon but uh, oh and we will overreact and we and as, will <laughs> and as much as i uh, won't want to and as yeah. much as i like to be like no nah, man i am about the process there's gonna be one or two dudes that i'm gonna be like oh that was real slow <laughs> you know and um, yeah. i'll just kind of be bummed by but no this is this is a fun time of year man i really enjoy 
Uh, I was telling you the other day, I'm I'm old, like I'm 42 years old. So, uh, but I remember when I moved to the States, it was like my sophomore year in high school. And I was so excited to be near and around football content. And so I was like on my way to debate tournaments on the weekend, listen, like making the bus driver put on the NFL draft on the radio because it wasn't on TV at that point. And I'd just yeah. be sitting there listening to the draft while all the other nerds were prepping for their debate tournament. I mean, I was already prepped because I was an even bigger nerd, but man, I was listening <laughs> to that draft on the radio. Uh, so yeah. I'm excited. I love the draft, man. It's it's the best. It's, yeah. it's so fun. And it has... If you get it, draft, you get it. And if you don't, yeah. you don't. Like if well, it's if not listening your thing, to this podcast in March yeah. or February, <laughs> you probably do get it. Uh, but the NFL Combine, the draft, all of that has come so far from the first overall pick in the 1936 draft, not even playing NFL football, to in it's it's just constantly in our ears and eyeballs, uh, 365 days a year, um, and it's now the Combine being the event that's like everyone who's in media all goes into Indianapolis at the same time for this one event. Um, but it's let's crazy. talk about some of these players who will be, yeah. Working out. Well, I guess we have the whole list of all the NFL Combine invites. We're going to start at the top and kind of work our way down the list. And some of these guys, actually, we already know aren't going to be competing this week at the Combine, which is unfortunate. Can you um, actually, when we go through those, though, let, let, let the listeners know, because like I started doing research on some of the names that like meant a lot to me or that I felt like I had takes on. But mm -hmm. I didn't go through all these guys. I don't know who's all participating in what. So you should let us know as we go through this on like some of the yeah. the notable. Well, admissions. the one at the top is the most disappointing. But uh, what's going to be weird is that the quarterback, the top quarterbacks are all not throwing. So like Caleb Williams, uh, Jaden Daniels, and, and Drake May, I don't believe are <laughs> going to be throwing. And so. But I did see JJ is, right? McCarthy? Yes. yes. And so it's and he almost be... has to, right? Yeah, you would think so. He's going to throw more times at the NFL Combine this week than he did for the entire season. Uh, <laughs> <Michigan football. laughs> That's um, really funny. <laughs> probably going to be close, you know, uh, with all the drills they have them throwing. And, and especially since three of the 14 quarterbacks aren't going to be throwing, they're going to be short on arms. They're going to have freaking athletic trainers out there throwing the gauntlet drill. Uh, but Just make sure you're warmed up and ready to go, baby. Oh, my shoulder's too busted. And I wasn't good to begin with. So. <laughs> but, uh, no, we actually have a writer uh, here who covers the Titans. His name's Sam. He's actually uh, – he just had, a, like, a really intense, like, flag football tryout, like, for a semi-pro team just before he came up for the, the combine. So it was, it was funny. He was Amazing. like – he had his combine before the combine. So he'll, he'll hop out there and he'll, he'll hit some throws. Perfect. Uh, shout out to Sam if you're listening. But – um. Yeah, so at the top, Marvin Harrison Jr. Not a surprise to many that he is the wide receiver one overall by you and I. I don't think that we're in the disagreement there. Um, so we agree. Yes, but uh, there has been some buzz that Malik Neighbors could be in the mix uh, as the wide receiver one. I know Lance Zerline of NFL.com uh, actually has him, uh, Neighbors that is, as a higher just by like 0.1 or whatever in his. Uh, metric system uh, rating system so it's really close um, does he most... do that so that people like you and i mention his name on a podcast i, I really don't think so i really think that lance is uh, he's he's one of the most respected names in 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 all of nfl draftum and so i i don't think so yeah uh, in fact it was it was funny like he like um you can kind of like get ahead of their updated links 
uh, before they even do the updated like drop down menu to see like where the initial ranks are going. And so like you on NFL.com. So you could go in, but like before they even promoted it, like it was already Malik neighbors by like point one ahead of before they even, you know, were going to release it. So I don't think they just kind of made the switch for clicks or anything like that. But um Roma Dunze is the only other name that's probably in the mix. Uh some people have said, Oh, we don't I've heard like Tom Fernelli uh, Tom Fernelli of this cover three podcast say if you know if Roma Dunze's name was Marvin Harrison Jr., he'd be the wide receiver one. But um something like that but it it's still marvin harrison jr it would be great uh because he he actually talked up a big game about his testing uh throughout the last several months um and now we're not even going to get to see him do it so yeah kind of a, a bummer but I, I just really would have loved and we all would have loved to just like see oh my gosh marvin harrison jr just run a four three eight at six four whatever that would have been incredible yeah why do you think they're not doing it just because they don't have to because they already know they're the quarterbacks are going to go and then they'll go and then it'll be good. So it's yeah. All the top guys. It's just like, Hey, look, I, all the mock drafts, all the people that I've talked to are telling me I'm a top four pick. Why in the world? <laughs> yeah. Cause like really the, the yeah. ones that we're most disappointed about who are opting out of the, the full, t- full participation um, that we're really bummed about are the likely the top four picks and Caleb Williams of USC, Jim Daniels of LSU, Drake May out of UNC and Marvin Harrison Jr., uh, Ohio State wide receiver. Hang on, then, yeah. Is that your order? Do you think? Do you think Daniels goes ahead of Drake May? I think the betting markets, as of even just the last couple of days, would suggest that the the folks who have a lot of money on this think it's still going to be Drake May. Uh, but because that's I, what I, that's I, the tip I gave out because it's at minus one forty for Drake May to be a number the number two pick. Yeah, but given that it's like plus 170 or whatever it is for Jaden Daniels, sure. that plus money is enough for me to, to lean into saying that's the better value, considering that, as we've talked about, Jaden Daniels has already posted a 100, 100th percentile kind of profile, but we're talking about wide receivers. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, we are talking about two wide receivers that he threw to um, in this like top 10 list. Yes, no matter are. where you're getting your list, uh, he's got two dudes on here. So that yeah. is fun. Like, um, yeah. But a lot of these top quarterbacks had, had fun, exciting receivers to throw to. Oh, my gosh. Yes. Yes, they did. Uh, but Marvin Harrison Jr., why are we so high on him? Yes, he's got a dad who's Hall of Fame wide receiver. In case you haven't been up to your ears in the NFL draft content, he is the son of Hall of Fame wide receiver Marvin Harrison. He's much bigger. He is faster, uh, more agile. He's, he's just a an, just a, a freak of an athlete. Um, and back-to-back seasons of immaculate production profiles as well. Uh, which is actually kind of rare for Ohio State wide receiver prospects to have near, you know, like 99th percentile adjusted like per play uh, and like per team pass attempt numbers or per, per route run, whatever you want to slice it up as he was elite. And so really, really interested to see how he plays out. But bleak neighbors, if anyone's, if anyone's going to challenge Marvin Harrison Jr. for both the balanced skill set on like on field film grade, and the analytical profile, Malik Neighbors is is close to that kind of one B situation in my book because over four yards per team pass attempt is just hard to even explain how absurd that is. Four yards per team pass attempt, not just like four yards per your target, four yards for whatever it's for your entire team's pass attempts. Like you're getting four yards every time you throw, on average, every time your team throws the ball. You're just just crazy, crazy efficient. The average NFL drafted wide receiver in any round uh, 
sees about 2.5 yards per team pass attempt. The really good ones break three yards per team pass attempt at 33% more. And then you get close to what Malik neighbors did this past season in terms of wide receiver production efficiency. Um, so by the metrics, really, really good on field, really, really good. So sign me up. Yeah. And, and you, and we just kind of, I was, we didn't bury the lead by any means, but secondary to all that, we already mentioned that teammate Brian Thomas Jr. is also an incredible talent and like a top 10 prospect. And he's doing all of those things that you just said with someone else yeah. of that caliber on the field. Like it just, mm-hmm. like we talk about targets being earned and yardage and production being earned. And, uh, and you can see it here with um with Malik neighbors and and I know you and I uh, were talking about him a while back sorry my computer is dying um when everyone was hoping Keishawn Boutte would be that dude right and uh, yeah. neighbors just kind of said no don't 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 sleep on me this is um he was better so, yeah so like he, yeah. Was, like he was he was just better like a year young a year or two younger or whatever he was better than he was and end up being even more incredible this past season. So, yeah. Yeah. So I'm, I'm right there. I'm right there with you. Um, Six foot 200. He's not huge, but he's fast. He's going to be dynamic. Um, Where do you go from here? Uh, I feel like I diverge from the pack a little bit at this point, Um, but I know you kind of have looked at this way more than I have. Um, and you've looked at a million more mock drafts. So where do we go from here after Malik Neighbors? For you, is yeah. it pretty clearly Roma Dunze? Yeah, I, th- I think so. Um, in terms of really NFL draft, like mock mock consensus, and that. So uh, when I throw and I, I mentioned the mock draft consensus quite a bit on the show, uh, I know it is just mock drafts, um, but there is something to be said about the wisdom of the crowd, and especially when it comes to the sourced media's mock drafts. Um, cause they align with the general population's consensus in most cases. And when and it's they a don't, large sample too, it's right? a very large talking, sample. Yeah. We're talking hundreds of mock drafters, um, in the off season, like, or the draft off season, which is the actual season, um, like in the fall, uh, it's a little noisier, you know, the, the people doing mock drafts, it's actually quite a small community of people that are writing stuff six plus months in advance. So you're only talking about like a total sample of like 30 writers in the entire world that are writing, you know, a mock draft every once a once a month, you know, at that point. And so it's a little bit, you know, it's it's it's, it's difficult to project with confidence at that point. But once we get to the NFL Combine, year over year, whatever source you're using, whether it's um, you know, the uh, grinding the mocks tool or the scraping method that I use or a couple other resources. The, the draft data starts to solidify and become a lot more accurate in predicting real outcomes, uh, in many cases, quarterback outcomes withstanding, um, you know, to be pretty useful. And so, like, at this point, like, the data matters. And Roma Dunze is a top 10 pick. Um, just That's just happening. And so if you like wide receivers with great athleticism that we're about to see put on display this week at the, at the NFL Combine, you, you like receivers who, you know, are the reason that their offense and team makes it to the national championship like Roman Dunze was this past season. Uh, and, you know, guys that in their final season at peak moments put up just fantastic production numbers. And it's not like year five or six for him. It's year four uh, for Roman Dunze. 
he checks a lot of the boxes. Would I have liked him to break out a little bit earlier in college? Sure. But he really had like a year three-ish breakout, which is not much different than like year two. So Roman Dunze, uh, very much wide receiver three for me. Then there's a break. And it's not just because of consensus value, but um, I think his overall skill set and how he's going to test is going to kind of solidify his status in that tier. Um. Yeah. No, I, I, I like that. I'm curious. Was um why is his name Jimmy Lake? Was he still the quarter? Was Roma Dunze there when Jimmy Lake was the head coach of Washington? I think one year. I'm pretty yeah. sure it was one year. Uh, I mean, because that's year. not fair. You can't count that against any yeah. offensive player. <laughs> that was bleak. Uh, yeah, and, and it's funny. There were there are actually several players on this um, national championship team that were there when Jimmy Lake was was uh, the head Dude. coach. He was an incredible defensive coordinator. And I, I still, I think it's such a shame that people can't just be like, you know what? I'm great at this specific thing. I'm going to do this, <laughs> not yeah. become a head coach and then fail. And then people view you weird. Anyway, yeah, actually, I think someone were even there when Chris Peterson was there, like the oldest. That's crazy. Guy. Yeah. But that's oh, but COVID, yeah, sure. COVID and <laughs> oh, yeah, all oh, the extra seasons, but yeah, well, uh, so, so the dude that I want to talk about here, and this is going to surprise no one, um, I think Troy Franklin should be in this conversation. He, I think, the only knock against him is his sl- slight frame. You know, like he's not a he's not a thick dude. But could you imagine what would happen if Troy Franklin ended up on the Chiefs? Like, can you imagine where we would be drafting him in uh, in fantasy football? <laughs> yeah, that would be that would be pretty incredible. So yeah, we we wouldn't know what to do because his speed and not only his speed, his spacing is what really impresses me about him. I watched every Oregon game this year, not because I'm well, it's because I'm a fan, like hardcore fan. And Troy Franklin knows how to get open. He knows how to do a dig route. He knows how to do an in. He can do it all. He was really only asked to go vertical or short um, a lot of the times, but you can tell when he has the, the ability to do something else, um, he knows how to find that space. And if he's in the right offense, the sky is the limit. He's going to look different, but he's going to put up similar numbers to, Ty- to Tyreek Hill if he ends up in Kansas City. Yeah. Oh man. Any kind of vertical a speed kind of threat um, wide receiver. That's I don't know, better than what they have, which is not a super high bar to clear. I really do like Rashi Rashi rice, but he's not like the vertical threat that they've been looking to replace uh, Tyree kill with uh, for years. Um, so a couple of past couple of years. So yeah, I love Troy Franklin. He's up there. Brian Thomas jr. Is up there. In terms of like conversation for wide receiver four, Xavier Worthy should very much still be in the conversation for wide receiver four. Um, his mock draft ADP has kind of been all over the place, ranging from like back I in think, the 20s, like all the way to the 40s to kind of I really all Im- over the place. I think it's important for you to tell people why you were so high on Xavier Worthy, <laughs> because sure. there's been a lot of noise between now and then. And I think it's, it's time for a little refresher course. Uh, yeah, it's funny, like... I mean, like you and I and many people who play in campus to Canton formats and uh, all, all the weirdest fantasy formats of all kinds, um, 
we've had Xavier worthy roster for like three years already or longer, <laughs> you know, depending on yeah. the weird format uh, it is. So uh, dating back to his true freshman year, like we were just pumped for what he was doing immediately. I, I remember doing a cut up uh, the summer, summer before he went off at Texas because he was actually originally committed to Michigan. And I remember thinking, man, I'd be really excited about Xavier worthy. if he wasn't committed to freaking Michigan. Cause like, they just don't, throw especially at that point they just did not throw the ball uh and then he flips late to texas and then he's uh as soon as he like he's not even there and his teammates are excited about him being there he shows up first week of like summer practices he's he's killing it so at that point i do this cut up and i'm like guys this like sub four four speed and ridiculous vertical stretching uh weapon and in the system that he's going to is going to explode and lo and behold, he puts up one of the best true freshman season uh, seasons by the, the adjusted, like, you know, per route run, per team passes, you know, the meaningful metrics that actually lead to capital. One of the best true freshman seasons we've ever seen, ever. Uh, you know, scores like a dozen touchdowns and it just lights out teams wide receiver one from day one. And um, so that's why we were excited, you know, three years ago at this point for him to one day make it to the NFL. Uh, yes, he needed to add some weight, and he has added a little bit of weight. He's still a little underweight for typical wide receiver one standards, but we've seen more and more wide receivers who are a little lean uh, explode at the NFL level because it just means less now. Like It's just yeah. like the, all the rules lean towards, hey, can you separate? Uh, cool, because the defensive backs can't touch you anymore. And so because that's the case, Worthy is going to succeed. And I know that there were some questions with his drops, but he was fighting through a broken hand for like half of a year where most of those drops actually originated. Um, so I, I just don't have very many questions when it comes to how and where and how consistently Xavier Worthy went. And so I, for the people who have been letting him drop out of the first round of mock drafts, it's just, man, the whole picture, that's hard to do. Yeah, I um, I actually have uh, Xavier Worthy right behind Troy Franklin. Um ahead of like all the others so uh not nice. Malik neighbors and um Marvin Harrison Jr but I have them just uh, a half step above Roma Dunze even but that wow. also might be because I hate the Huskies with all my heart <laughs> yeah imagine the Ducks fan <laughs> not wanting to rank the Huskies wide receiver dude could you imagine I'm surprised, I'm surprised you didn't just go ahead and put Franklin over him in your ranks <laughs> <laughs> could you imagine if the, oh no I have Franklin ahead of Rome okay well yeah never just never mind yeah. Choice three for me. Okay. And then yeah. worthy. And then, and then worthy. And then okay. Rome. I don't say. Yeah. That, Could that you imagine if the Huskies. For a lot of people. Man, oh, but yeah. it's with context. You know? yes. Yes. <laughs> it's coming from an Oregon fan. Yes. Um, but uh, but another guy that I have kind of high up here that I um I don't have him high up here because I think he should be up here. I have him high up here because I think other people think he should be up here. And I know that's saying way too many words is just say Adonai Mitchell um, is in this slot for me. And I don't know if I buy it, but this is where I have him. Sure. Does that make sense? Yes. Well, let's go actually down your ranks real quick. Just, I know we've been kind of going over, but, and then we'll get to kind of consensus. I'll go over mine too, but let's yeah. we'll get to consensus here. Yours just like top to bottom, like the first, Let's go down to hmm, let's just go down to the first eight. Cause I think that's probably where there's a tier break for a lot of people that are sane and don't have Xavier Leggett in that tier. 
Okay, yeah. So it goes Marvin Harrison Jr. one, Malik yeah. Neighbors two. Okay. Then I've got Franklin and Worthy three four. Okay. Then five is Roma Dunze. Six is Brian Thomas Jr. Seven is Adonai Mitchell. And eight is Devontae Walker. Okay, so not so no Keon Coleman. <laughs> that's 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 the highlight right there. Yeah. Okay. Where is Keon Coleman? Um, I I rank him um after so I've got Walker, then I've got McConkey, McMillan, and Polk, and then I've got Coleman. Whew, so I'm probably, low on Coleman. Yeah, I'm, that's probably accurate to be honest. I can't do that because like I know where he's probably going to get drafted. Right, and this is again, this is not where I think they're going to get yeah. drafted. Gotcha. Because that would be a different list. Uh, I'm yeah. completely out on Kian Coleman. I'm either a hundred percent right on him or he's going to be great. Like I don't see a middle ground for him because his yeah. game is either going to work in the NFL or it's not. And if it doesn't, he is going to be a ghost. Like yeah. he will not produce at all and he will flame out quickly. Yeah. And he was a ghost for about like 90% of most of the games, but he just, <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, he would make a few like crazy highlight plays. And, you know, he had the LSU game, which was very, very good. Uh, and then we realized the LSU's defense was trash. But uh, the rest of the season, he just disappeared for the majority of games. Needed overtime to do anything in the Clemson game. Um, just just a bizarre up and down uh, set of inconsistencies for Coleman. But yeah, it's, that's definitely flaming hot that you have him out, outside of the uh, top eight. I, I think the by the mock draft consensus, the data goes uh, Marvin Harrison Jr., Malik Neighbors, Roma Dunze. Uh, and then Brian Thomas Jr. And there's kind of a break. And you get down to Troy Franklin. And then you go to uh, Keon Coleman, who is dropping, actually, by the way. Uh, and so he's, like, right next to Adonai Mitchell. And then you get into Xavier Worthy territory. And then after that, you've got, like, Ladd McConkie, Xavier Leggett, Jalen Polk, uh, Roman Wilson, and Devontae Walker. And then there's a really, really hard break to the rest of the wide receivers after that. So, yeah. Um, in terms of like the consensus data, Jermaine Burton is rising. Malachi Corley is on the radar. Ricky Pearsall is rising. But once you get past the names I mentioned, there's a massive gap in terms of the mock draft data. And part of that has to do with a lot of them only go one, two, three rounds. And so right. these names that aren't projected to go inside that range get pushed down even further, you know? Yeah. So, um, so yeah, it's just, it is what it is. But, for me, uh, Marvin Harrison Jr., Malik Neighbors, Roma Dunze, Ryan Thomas Jr. I'm very boring right now because I'm, I'm going like kind of super chalk in my rankings. And then I have Xavier Worthy, Troy Franklin. So that's my top six. Can, can I ask you why? Because like your countenance lights a room when you talk about Xavier Worthy. Yes. Like, and you have Brian Thomas Jr. ahead of him. Yes. So. We Tell kind of why. skipped him, you know. I don't, we, yeah. I don't know if you noticed. We kind of but, skipped him, but that kind of always happens. <laughs> That's why I'm yeah. wondering. It's because, like, yeah. I know he's not Malik Neighbors on LSU. Yeah, you know. Yeah, but the thing is with him, it's like he was just as good, like, it, for a good portion of the season, um, which was mind-boggling because it was like, wait, hold on. I thought Malik Neighbors was supposed to be that dude. Why is Brian, why is Brian Thomas scoring? Uh, you know five touchdowns in two game span and a 250 plus receiving yards. You know, like why is, 
Why is he up to 17 receiving touchdowns on the year, which led all of the NCAA at uh, the FBS level last year? Um, and why is he the like most you know dominant deep threat in the game at 6'4, 205? Um, so <laughs> he's kind of a freak. Like it's it's hard to even fathom that two wide receivers of that caliber were on the same team. And what does that mean for Jane Daniels? And somebody might not be as good as we think they are in that mix, but I'm not banking on that being either of the LSU wide receivers. Uh, so yes, Brian Thomas Jr. Again, I would love for him to have a, an just immaculate true freshman breakout, but that's just not the case. Most years, like most years we see one to three, wide receivers that meet like super exciting thresholds. Like they, there are some guys that are like, Oh, they're almost on pace to be where they need to be. A lot of those that in, in, among true freshmen, but especially in the last few years where we have this massive group of older players still hanging around, Brian Thomas juniors took year two, year three, especially to break out. And so the signal data wise, long-term dating back the last 10 plus years in terms of the meaningful metrics like true freshman breakout with great athleticism pretty much locks you up for day two capital at worst, but it doesn't guarantee that you're going to be a first round pick. So that might be where Xavier where they actually settles in like pick 40 ish range, but year two and year three, that still works for predicting future NFL, you know, breakout and projection and uh, you know, wide receiver one projection long-term uh, or at least fantasy relevance long-term. And so then the difference is slight. It's better in year two. Very simple. If you break out earlier, you're probably going to be better longer in the NFL. But it's very close. The difference between year two and year three by most metrics. And so the, the fact that Brian Thomas took three years to really, you know, just clear all the meaningful thresholds by a lot like he did. But, um, again, context is key uh, to right. understanding the whole picture with him. And so he's going to get top 20-ish, top 25-ish capital, almost locked at this point. So – the capital implied, the athletic profile of him being a 6'4", 205-pound monster that moves in ways he shouldn't be able to, and a breakout season that, that meets the requisite thresholds, you, you have me bought in. Yeah. No, that's good. That, that's a good sales pitch. Sorry, um, I just need to light up more like that when I'm talking about Brian yeah. Thomas Jr. more Because well, <laughs> I don't hear many people do it. You see his name yeah. up there, and you don't see a whole lot of talk about it. And so I think it's important to have a little a little bit of that here because um, most people kind of move past him, not because he's not ranked highly. He is ranked highly. Um, someone that I want to talk a little bit more about is Keon Coleman, who I have ranked low. And I also want to read a quote to you, and then I want to give you some statistics. How does that sound? So um, that's this okay was, with me for sure. Yeah. yeah. So so this is from uh, PFF. So I I talk about them glowingly very often. But this says uh, though he is explosive linear, uh, though he is an explosive linear athlete, Coleman doesn't showcase that same level of athleticism in his lateral agility. In a similar light, his lack of separation is an issue. Contested catches are his strength, but every catch seems to be contested. So contested catches are his strength is something that we hear a lot about Keon Coleman, right? Like that's where he's really good. Then this guy goes on to say like, yeah, but a lot of his throws are contested catches, right? Because he's not getting that separation. And what did you say just like 10 minutes ago? Like if you can get separation in the NFL, that's what matters. Size yeah. doesn't matter quite as much. So now we're yeah. talking about a guy who doesn't get 
a lot of separation. And we're also talking about a guy who, in theory, we think has a good contested catch rate, but he doesn't. Yeah, he it's really does. It's 33%. Yeah. You compare that to um, Marvin Harrison Jr.'s is at 43.3. Malik Neighbors, 45.5. Yeah. Roma Dunze, 74% contested catch rate. Like, Monster. if you give me those <laughs> and you also can tell me that they can get separation – I'm bought in. But when your only game is, oh, he makes some monster plays in contested catch areas, but then when you dive just a tiny bit deeper, not even much, just a tiny bit deeper, and it's what you were just saying. He's disappearing for so much of the game. He makes one or two highlight real catches, but those are the only catches he's making. So I just don't think it translates at the next level. I think he could have like his career year. He might have like maybe six, seven touchdowns. But he's not going to be a volume play for fantasy football. He's going to be frustrating as hell. Um, I'm completely out on Keon Coleman. Yeah, it's such a weird profile because like it's just highlight plays, and 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 you look for like one stat in when you compare him to his teammates, and you realize, oh yeah, that makes sense. Like he had 11 touchdowns, and I'm pretty sure no other teammate had more than two uh, through the the air last season uh, uh, receiving, and 11 touchdowns on just 50 catches. Yeah, like that's. That's just weird, man. Like that's not that's not normal. Uh, and a couple of those came against Wake Forest. Uh, three of them came against LSU in, the, in week one. Then teams kind of a, adjusted, and we realized that LSU was bad um, on the defensive side of the ball. Anyway, right? Yeah. And again, he had almost nothing against Clemson until like the winning play or the tying play in regulation, and then uh, you know scored again in overtime. But it took him overtime to do anything in that game. Um, so it's just, yeah, he just disappears. That's what it comes down to. He does not have a good metric profile. The only thing going for him is like touchdowns per team pass attempt, which has very low signal in terms of translation to the next level. So I get where you have him ranked. It's just, it's funny con- compared to the consensus. So, yeah. yeah. And and if I'm wrong, I'm going to be way wrong. You know, like, yeah. I mean, maybe he has one of those weird careers where he's always got right around like 55 catches with seven touchdowns and he's like flex worthy and that's, and he sticks around, you know, I think that um, that actually could be it. Like he could have a, one of those windows where people think he's going to be a big deal, but he's not still because he has some capital. He makes some crazy plays here and there. And then he turns into Chase Claypool. Like (laughs) that's uh, actually a good cop right there, dude. (laughs) yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I could I could definitely see that kind of arc for him as well. But we talked through all the, a bunch of the top names: Marvin Harrison Jr., Blake Neighbors, Roman Dunze, Brian Thomas Jr., Drew Franklin. We just kind of hinted at him because you're an Oregon fan, but he's got just a ridiculous production profile as well, like three plus you know you know yards per team pass attempt, uh, over 0.25 EPA per play, um, all the the market share numbers you want to see, all the all the boxes checked across the board. He's a little skinny, but he like consistently like clocks over 21, 22 miles an hour on field uh, with the tracking data. Um, and he wins with, with the act in short yarded situations as, as well. So man, uh, I know he's a little bit of a one trick pony when it comes to like, Hey, he only really works the vertical stem and slants. Uh, so there's, there's, he needs to add some layers to his game. But, but don't I'm, you I'm, think like, that's I'm, a, like I'm kind of nitpicking at that point, but, but your Nick's picking. Cause Nick's you're talking picking. about, 
<laughs> Bo Nix here. Bo Nix, yeah. You know, mm-hmm. because when we talked about Bo Nix, you're talking about that's what the offense is trying to do. I don't think it's a limitation of Troy Franklin's game. I think it's a limitation of the role they asked him to play. I think yeah. he's well, like, he will adjust just fine to running those routes. Like, rookie year, when asked to do so, he will excel at those as well. Yeah. No doubt in my mind. Yeah, I agree. And it's, it seems like, I mean, you had him like third. I'm like fifth or sixth. But I mean, it's like there's no no reason to me he falls out of round one. I think ideally, I mean, the, the guys who truly grade out like that, I think we're, we're kind of on the same page. Like it's, yeah. it's the Marvin Harrison Juniors, Malik Neighbors, Rome, Roma Dunze, Brian Thomas Jr., Troy Franklin, Xavier Worthy, in some order. That's like the top six for both of us. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I think, to be honest, if, if we were by the metrics that mean the most, and, and, and mixing in separation metrics, on-field athleticism scores, and things that are going to come out in the next few days even at the Combine. I think it's going to be, be, become kind of abundantly clear that it's those six and everyone else. Um, yeah. But like Ad- Adonai Mitchell, I do really like him, but I see people asking, hey, you know, Texas wide receivers, who do you prefer, A.D. Mitchell or uh, Xavier Worthy? And Worthy does everything better except the contested thing. And again, cool. But he has like a touchdown in every playoff game uh, he's been in, like the most prolific touchdown scoring receiver in the college football playoff era, probably. Um, but he wasn't as consistent uh, and in fact disappeared in his in his uh, second season before transferring to Texas when he was still in Georgia for much of that year. Uh, so he got more consistent this past year, but he doesn't win at the consistent rate in terms of separating to the extent that Worthy does. So when, when trying to compare them, they're completely different players anyway. Like, right. AD Mitchell's like 6'4", 200 plus. Xavier Worthy's like six foot, like 175. You know, like, they're not, there's, it's, you can't compare the two. But um, I, I definitely prefer Worthy. And I do give the edge to AD Mitchell over Keon Coleman. But then after that, to me, there is a gap. But before we dive into the gap and, and the players after that, I know that you disagree slightly with, with Devontae Walker. There are other sleepers and other mid-round to late-round guys that I think could be great values in fantasy drafts and the real draft. But first, a word from our sponsors. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. 
Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. We're back. Thank you, Travis. I totally forgot that we had to uh, to break. I was just too engrossed in our conversation. Wide receivers <laughs> are so much fun to talk about because we're talking about uh, fantasy football and real football right now, too. But like for fantasy football, this is the staple of your team. Like this is the position like running backs are great and they can have huge impact. But there's such a short window. Wide receivers can only produce for such a long time. And um, we've also seen in the NFL how elite wide receivers can uh, become transcendent like Tyreek Hill for the Miami Dolphins this past year. Oh my God. Like my, my, both my sons have become football fans uh, because of Tyreek Hill and watching him do that flip into the end zone, like in the end zone with the dude's phone. My daughter became a a football fan because of uh, Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey, but we're winning, man. We've got football fans. I know it's fantastic. Um, But yeah, you, you, you mentioned it before heading into break. We want to talk a little bit about, some of these uh, late later picks, um, but but players that have great potential to add value in fantasy drafts and in the NFL. Um, one of the guys that I kind of want to pick your brain about is um, we're cheating because it's a crossover episode <laughs> if we do it. But um, uh, Johnny Wilson for Florida State. We, we I just want to mention him because we mentioned Keon Coleman and you're talking about some of the other teammates. But we've also already mentioned him when we talked about tight ends. Um, we did. Quarterback and tight end. Um, but Johnny Wilson, I think, um, is an interesting case study because uh, just his unique build and what he could do at the next level um, if in the right location where they want to utilize his um, his size and speed. Yeah, Johnny Johnny Wilson, it's funny that we have a writer at A to Z Sports. We, we kind of just gave him a hard time like at, at Senior Bowl because we're like, hey, hey, it's your guy. Like every time he'd like do anything at all because he – he wants just – I don't know why. He just likes the idea of uh, Johnny Wilson playing. He's our Detroit Lions beat writer. He likes the idea of Johnny Wilson joining the Lions and, like, the idea of, like, having this this weird wide receiver tight end hybrid mixed with another, like, receiving tight end in Laporta and Amnara St. Brown all working together to, to just make this weird mismatch, mishmash of kind of unstoppable, like, mismatch opportunities. It would be fun. It would. And, and I'm not sure what, what round he goes in, but I think there's a great chance he's like tight end three in this class because there's not a great tight end three in the class. But if he does stay a wide receiver, I think it's probably a mistake. Uh, but if he is, he probably figures to be like more like wide receiver, you know, 13, 14, 15 versus tight end three. And so for fantasy purposes, I much prefer him to go that direction. And right. if the, it is relevant. I mean, we mentioned it slightly before and on other episodes, but uh, he – he spent time actually like working out almost exclusively in the slot, uh, alternating routes and reps with Ben Sanat of Kansas State, who is a tight end. 
uh, playing against like some safeties and bigger body defenders, not just the, the scrawny uh, cornerbacks uh, quite a bit at the senior bowl. So teams were wanting to see how that looked. And so I think he probably just goes ahead and converts, uh, but just definitely a name to keep on your radar just because he's kind of a weird mismatch nightmare, especially if he goes and has tight end designation eligibility for fantasy football purposes. That would be uh, a blast, but Two guys we didn't get to that I think a lot would put in their, you know, that the conversation for like, hey, there's not a tear break to get to, get to so-and-so. Uh, Roman Wilson of Michigan and Lad McConkey of Georgia because yeah. in part of what they did at the Senior Bowl, it was evident to literally every person there that the best two wide receivers that week were Roman Wilson and Lad McConkey. Well, Roman Wilson did so well. He was just like, I'm not going to practice the last day. Like I, <laughs> I, I just dominated everyone. I don't need to do this anymore. Uh, and Lad McConkey had a lights out first day, good second day, and the third day practice was just kind of slower. They didn't do as many uh, full team sets and not even as many one on ones. So, just wasn't as explosive, and the noise didn't go crazy for him. Uh, but still, in the mix for many people to be like around one wide receiver, and I don't see that at all. I think he's a really good. Wide receiver three at the next level. Really good wide receiver three at the next level. Uh, I think Roman Wilson could be a really good wide receiver two at the next level. But I think in both cases, to me, they lack a little bit of upside in terms of being down-to-down uh, -down alpha wide receivers on their team at the NFL level. Yeah, I'm there with you. I do have them um, as my next pair of receivers here. So, uh, But uh, Roman Wilson's a guy that I – was excited about early on this season just because he just was a touchdown scoring machine for Michigan. Like they weren't doing a ton in the passing yeah. game, but he was getting all the touchdowns and he <laughs> was so cheap in DFS. I was just, I was feasting. And uh, so, so Rome, Roman Wilson has a soft spot in my heart because of that. But I knew you were always just a little bit, um, you weren't low on him, but you were also not like singing his praises as like this generational talent. Um, so I was like, okay, I'm not, I'm not exactly sure what to think of him. And Lad McConkey for me, like, I've never believed, to be honest with you. I I don't see anything, like, he's fast, he's got good hands, but but not elite. N nothing sets him apart where I think uh, he is going, like, to me, he's so, uh, it's so dependent on the situation where he ends up in. Like, he needs to be at a place that can utilize his particular, specific skills for him to be and, and, and it's probably the case for all these guys when we get this deep i guess but um i do see some mock drafts that have lad mcconkey um ahead of troy franklin and i automatically cannot take the rest of it seriously like yeah, that's, that's it fair. like that's yeah. i'm like nah, i don't trust you <laughs> you yeah. know like yeah yeah i don't i don't like lad and, and really that first day uh at the senior bowl he made just this he laid out for this uh this ball and just kind of a misplaced out route and it was like oh wow yeah ooze and ahs. uh and he didn't really make another play that was that dominant for the rest of the, the week but um it was just was a reminder okay he's not just a slot guy he's he, he can do more and so i i want to say he and roman wilson are probably long for the nfl like they're going to be there a while um because they can separate and they play bigger than they are I think it don't get credit for it. Um, and that shows up in Wilson's profile, especially given the, the, the touchdown scores uh, that he put up on the board. So 
But yeah, there was just one two at the Senior Bowl, and I know a lot of people wanted Xavier to get to kind of ball out. He did some, but like generally only when he was connecting with Spencer Rattler. Like when the, when oh, they were connecting, they were on fire. Like especially like on sideline connecting stuff that required some timing. Hmm. It was a back shoulder stuff. It was like okay, it, yeah, they, they were teammates. Uh, it makes sense. Um, and so, but we've been down this road, but for those who haven't followed the show, Xavier Leggett took five years to do literally anything, um, at the collegiate level. And as far as like an analytics perspective, metric, meaningful metrics perspective, the signal that you glean from years five and year six are essentially near zero in, in, in terms of confidence. Dwayne Eskridge. Yeah. It's like, and it's not to say that we, we, that you are bad if you break out in year five and year six, it's just that. Breaking out in year five and year six, okay, that means literally nothing from a statistical standpoint in projection. It adds zero signal. I have no idea if you're going to be good. And so if I'm going to project success for somebody, I'm going to do so on the players that I have data that suggests they will succeed. And yeah. we've seen this time and time again, these older wide receivers who do nothing till late. I mean, that's that's like a best case scenario. You're talking about Van Jefferson. Like that's like the the best hit that, yeah. that fits that profile recently. Uh, otherwise, you're talking about like I don't know, like you said, D. Eskridge, um, Velas Jones, um, right? Uh, even just like last year, Cedric Tillman is probably never really gonna do anything. I mean, he maybe he does something year two, but uh, he came from a weird offense too, and he didn't do anything till late. Uh, there's just a, a, there's so much signal with the late, late, late fifth year plus breakouts. Uh, not meaning anything and actually meaning nope <laughs> that right. uh, the lean with great skepticism towards ranking like at highly and he's physical he's fun he's going to test pretty well and he's super thick so there's going to be a, a, a good amount of people that like him I'm just not going to have him anywhere so because I still have to put him below the Roman Wilson's I have to put him below Jalen Polk for me who actually was really good for Washington when Jalen McMillan went down I have to have him below Jalen McMillan because McMillan, on when he, at the beginning of the year, was on fire. He was going to be that wide receiver too long, Roma Dunze, that may have creeped up into like the pick 40-ish or earlier range because he was doing just as crazy things. And to be honest, he was like the reason they won that the, the game. Um, I guess it was the playoff, the, the first playoff game. Like he he was he was that dude. And so uh, I think McMillan's going to go a lot earlier than people understand in draft capital. So. Unless Liga kills it, kills it this week at the Combine, I do question where his actual capital is going to be. Um, but the last guy I think that I would rank for sure over Liga, and it, we're getting way down here compared to consensus because I know some people have him like top 40. But I would still put Devontae's Walker. like You had him up there higher. And despite yeah. Walker having a pretty horrible start, at least to uh, the Senior Bowl week, like he was just getting manhandled. By Cam Hart and a few other uh, corners. Uh, once he kind of got up to speed and was like, okay, people are just going to punch me in the mouth here. I need to get my craft together. He was a lot better um, and actually created some separation and used that speed that he, he can get up over 20, <laughs> like 23 miles an hour, or whatever, whatever it was, uh, on the, the touchdown against Georgia uh, when he was still at Kent State. Um, he's got, you know, game breaking speed. He's a little raw, but I would still even rank him over uh they really get for sure too so yeah i mean i have him ahead of keon coleman so i'm i'm there with you with, with Avantes. I, how far I think, is we get down for you if you have keon Le coleman that low 
you gotta like keep on going in like to a different yeah. zip code. Yeah, because you've got yeah, he's like 16, I think. Yeah. That that's about right. That that's like, hey, you might get drafted day two. Yeah. To, you know, like maybe. Yeah. In, in so, the wrong class, no. Yeah, again, this is where I would have them. I don't think this is how it actually goes, you know. No. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised if it did because NFL teams are getting smarter analytically. I have a question about a guy who we've not talked about yet, but um, a couple of years ago, he was someone that we were excited about, and that's Jermaine Burton. Um, curious what your thoughts are on him. Could he do anything to elevate his stock? Where do you think he lands? He's actually rising in uh, recent weeks in terms of mock drafts. Um, and it's funny, the influence of, of pro football focus, because if they move somebody up on their big board because of the pro football focus mock draft simulator tool where everyone's, you know, just kind of going off of the big board because no one has any idea what they're doing. Yeah. It's like wanting to see what their favorite team is going to pick just based on him being ranked somewhere on PFF's big board. His ADP is going to rise because everyone's That's like, amazing. oh, I, I must be low on him. And so like you'll see this this uh, spurt of of mock drafts that, that have a player because he just got moved up in the PFF rankings. Not even that he was being selected before then. They just moved him up. And I don't understand the rhyme or reason with that, but I do monitor that stuff a lot because I live in the weeds of the, all the mock draft data Yeah, more than a year in advance. Um, and uh, I do think that he is rising among the people who are writing the mock drafts. And I do think I listen to every, you know, NFL draft show out there. And there are, there are people who are fans of him because of what he does in one, one, in, in just winning vertically. That's, that's where he's going to have to be used as a splashy deep threat. Um, and who can make underneath catches, you know, but he wasn't consistent enough when he was at Georgia and he wasn't consistent enough at Alabama. And frankly, he, um, just Are we talking about George Pickens or Jermaine Burton right now? Jermaine Burton. But yeah, I, uh, I do think he, he actually could sneak into round three of the NFL draft. Yeah. Uh, given his one skill set where he wins like crazy. I will say um, he just folded and did not play when they put Tyler Buckner in at the USF game. He didn't even run routes. He just was like, I don't care. I, I, I You took my quarterback out. I'm not playing for you. Like the, if you if you go back to that, that game, it was bad weather, wow. and he wasn't alone. There were uh, there was a couple other wide receivers who just. Well, I know, but Elliot's talked about that didn't, too. Didn't even did not did not even try to catch the ball. Yeah, they're like we're not. You're gonna have to go a different direction because we're not playing. And so, if I was a uh, GM who had done my homework, I would have seen that game and be like, "Hey, dude, why are you, why are you being a dick here? Like, yeah, <laughs> like yeah. why 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 uh." Why are you just being a jerk to your quarterback? Like, what's what's the deal? Um, but besides that, I mean, I think he, he could be a day, a day two guy. Yeah, uh, another uh, big name. We talked a little bit about, you know, Marvin Harrison Jr. is not the only wide receiver entering the draft that has, like, some uh, Hall of Fame pedigree in the NFL. Uh, Jerry's kid is here, too. Brennan Rice. Someone that, uh, you know, used to play in my backyard here at CU, transferred to USC, had a pretty decent year. What's the ceiling for him? And uh, could the floor be really, really low? Or do you think just having that, those four letters on your jersey, uh, is that enough to keep him uh, keep him from bottoming out? He started off pretty strong at the Senior Bowl. Um, 
he is not great getting off of contact and should be at his size. And he's not great at separating naturally, um, but he does just find a way to the end zone. And maybe it helped that he had Caleb Williams throwing him the ball. <laughs> that probably yes. helps find the end zone uh, more than he, you probably should. But if you if a defensive back does let him get sufficient hands on them in the wrong position, he could win and throw you to the ground <laughs> as he did a couple of times at the senior bowl and uh, fight through contact and make some fun plays. Uh, but he's got to, he's got to work on some things, uh, some things like in terms of like his actual acceleration and deceleration numbers that, that were there via the zebra tracking numbers that they had at the senior bowl. He looked pretty good, but when it actually translates like on a down to down basis on field, I'm not sure I see that. So I, I'm curious to see how he tests this week. Um, yeah. And I think it's going to be huge. Is he and participating in everything? Uh, to my knowledge, he is. Um, but, yeah. you know, I, I missed some things for sure, especially later. I mean, he should, today. right? Um, and, and that that hasn't leaked out with a lot of the the day two, three guys just yet because not everyone's digging and prying and, and trying to get rumors on all of these guys. Um, but, yeah, I, I hope he does because it, it might be the difference between him being around three wide receiver and around five. Around five so, yeah. yeah. Yeah, he definitely should. It could only it can only help at this point. Um, a couple of names that people are probably wanting to hear us talk about: uh, Ricky Pearsall from Florida. Uh, you mentioned Javon Baker before uh, we hit record as someone. Yeah. Um, you, I mean, Not there's a lot of names here. Xavier Weaver, CU. I don't think I'm just no, no, no. There. Malachi Corley though. Uh, he's a freaking running back playing wide receiver. Very much in that way reminds me of a hyper productive. Ty Montgomery, like when he was coming out of mm, Stanford, yeah. you know, and that's not a great comp now because we've seen that, that he was okay for like a second. And that's not fun when we're talking about prospects, but yeah, in all reality, he could be a just slightly more productive guy that he's thick enough to play running back. So he could just go that route. And they gave him some end rounds, even just to make some plays at the senior bowl practices. And um, he's a really dynamic guy with the ball in his hands. So um yeah, I love to see him win and kind of like the short range uh, and be a, being a productive slot. You know, maybe like if 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 used correctly, he could have the upside of like a young, uh, budding, you know, a promising Randall Cobb. You know, like back in his prime, um, if everything goes great for Corley. But I, I don't think that's going to be it. So I think he's probably a late round three guy that kind of is productive, hangs around, but is not like super dominant. Um, and Pearsall has highlight plays, but I, I don't see consistent. He was he's, he was just not on the same page with Anthony Richardson in that season where they were together. Yeah. So I don't know. I just have questions with him too. And then Javon Baker, he was not a great. Um, I'll just say he wasn't a great interview at, at the Senior Bowl. And I, of those that I spoke to um, around the league, there were questions with some some character things that I did not get details on. Uh, so. I, I don't mean to, I hate when people have to share that kind of information, but that's just all I got. So I, I I was not privy to all the details. I just know that there are questions that people who are affiliated with teams have when it comes yeah. to Ron Baker. And, and that's and, a shame and, because he was fun. Like one of maybe the most effective deep threat last year in the country for UCF. But, but questions yeah. lead to people falling, even if they shouldn't, you know, yes. like yeah. um, it's just the reality of it because, uh, it's a pretty easy tiebreaker. Um, got a, any any last names you want to throw out there before we uh, wrap it up for the day? Jamari Thrash got some buzz. 
uh, throughout the Super Bowl cycle. He was, he was. He was, he was fun really fun. Season. And he actually has some decent, like, uh, adjusted metrics. He just played a lower level competition until this past season. And um, I think he's just going to be a, a fun, you know, throw a dart in a best ball draft <laughs> type guy uh, and hope he gets like two touchdowns in a week or something for you. But um, I don't think he's going to be a, like a down to down, like every. Every week, reliable wide receiver two or three for you in fantasy football. Uh, maybe six right. around the league, but he's 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 a fun vertical guy. Um, but I'm not banking on him being super fun. Malik Washington is just so mind boggling because his production profile is incredible at its peak, like 99th percentile at its peak. Uh, but he has drop issues and concentration issues. Uh, I'm not sure how versatile he is and, and where he'll be plugged in at the, at the pro level. And he uh, also didn't get the top tier bowl game invites, and so I'm not sure where his real capital settles. Uh, but his production profile is just confusing to me. So <laughs> out of Virginia, Malik Washington—that's a name to know. Jacob Cowling measured in super tiny at the Senior Bowl, and uh, maybe he'll add some water weight to look better this week <laughs> at the bottom line. Yeah, but um, he is electric, like very fast. But when teams, when defensive backs got physical with him. In the practice setting, it was not good. Uh, mm. So I hope that things turn out better, but he did not win those matchups. And then Anaya an Smith at Texas A&M. Uh, he was a great interview, by the way. Just Oh, yeah? That's fun I, I loved it. Just hear him talk about his career at Texas A&M because it was really up and down uh, for the Aggies. But he had some incredibly high moments because he's just such an electric return man. Uh, you know, And so I think he's going to make an NFL roster regardless of where he gets drafted because he is just a monster returner and so i asked him about his favorite favorite plays in his college career and a couple of more return touchdowns he had like a 95 yard return That's touchdown. Awesome. he was telling me about it you know it was, i guess it was, i think it was against the um he was against oklahoma or i can't remember who it was he was telling me about he was just ecstatic just to tell me he, he was so glad i asked about his favorite plays uh and i was like i have one in mind i bet it's gonna be on the list and he was like yeah that, that alabama touchdown from Calzada (laughs) two years ago uh whatever it was yeah uh, where he actually basically won the game uh for A&M over Bama and that was obviously a highlight moment for him but just to see his eyes light up as he talked about that and him he was excited to talk about his versatility to make plays out of the backfield as a receiver as a returner he's gonna he's gonna be around for a long time so might be a value play that that uh, has a spike to his value in dynasty leagues at some point for fantasy purposes, and is just going to be a fun real football player. Uh, yeah, next, so I feel like he's the type of player that might have a bigger impact in the NFL than in fantasy football. Yeah, but it's just he's just too fun. Like, but he's there, you know. guy. Yeah, yeah, and, and he's always he's around. Yeah, and, roster. and he really is going to kill interviews too. I think he's he's gonna. So he might go earlier in the draft than. <laughs> currently projected which is like late late right now um round four wouldn't surprise me Mm, yeah that's good man we went through a lot of players here yeah and and, i mean there are several more but we don't have to talk about all of them like you know jalen coker holy cross ryan flornoy the southeast missouri state cool stories you know like small school guys maybe they work out but you know, Luke Luke, McCra- Luke McCaffrey is going to get some hype because he's Christian McCaffrey's brother. You know, right. like, uh, right. but yeah, there, there's not a whole lot of guys that we're projecting su- for success outside of the ones we talked about um, today. 
But we talked about a lot of them. So enjoy the NFL Combine. Find us on the X machine at FF underscore Travis M. And uh, stay fun, Lako. That's L-A-K-O. Stay fun, L-A-K-O. Yeah, that's me. And uh, anything else, any parting words, advice for me as I try to go with zero sleep at the NFL Combine this week? What? Uh, parting I, wisdom? Don't don't try to make up for it with energy drinks. You'll just end up in the hospital. Probably. A friend of mine has a whole story about it. Man. <laughs> On that note, though, that hey, <laughs> yeah, thank you all for listening. We'll be back with you next week. We have gone through all the major positions. We'll probably, I don't know, do a post combine recap or something like that. What do you think, Travis? Something Absolutely. Like that? Yeah. 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 So I've you got definitely a... want to hit it. You want, you want to catch us for sure. Yeah, and I'll, I'll have all the updated percentiles with speed score, burst score, agility score, a custom athletic posit, uh, composite that I, I built for our A to Z friends for some custom content that we can break down as well in the aftermath of the NFL Combine. So be looking for that here soon. Awesome. And of course, you can find all of Travis's work um, over at A to Z Sports. You can find me over at Ready Bad Action. Thank you all so much for listening. We'll be back with you next week. <laughs>